hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Let God Do It podcast. I am one of your hosts solo today. Today's topic is pain into purpose. Pain into purpose. This is a topic that is very personal for me. We've said it a few times on our podcast uh, that I have another podcast that I do record on called Within Reason Podcast. And it is a subject that I actually recorded on ooh, months and months ago. I want to say over six months ago, I recorded on transforming pain into purpose. And it was a topic that at the that particular point in time was very important to me because of something that I was going through in my marriage. So when I decided to record it, I it was totally off the agenda. Like it wasn't even on my agenda. I um was going through so the breakdown of my different shows for the season that I already uh, wrote out (laughs) I totally transformed it moved it all around because this was more important right now to tell my story I have said a couple times that myself and my co-host we do Um, used to do Bible study. And within our Bible study, the person who was hosting at that time was a friend of mine named Elijah. And in one of our first or second uh, recordings, he had mentioned us basically following the will of God. There is something that God wants from us and we should really adhere to what he's asking of us. And I spoke on this on my first visit to a uh, girl squad group uh, from my church. And I said that I know God has a calling for me. A lot of times I get in my own way because of fear uh, that takes away my focus and my faith in what it it is that God has for me because of the fact that I don't believe that I'm ready for it or I feel like I'm not ready so I'm gonna tell you I'm not ready and then that means I don't do it so transforming pain into purpose we're gonna talk about it and I'm sorry we don't have any guests this time. We won't always have guests. Sometimes it'll just be myself and Naomi. Today, it is just me. My mother-in-law uh, was going to be a part of the show. But when I say that she's 73, I believe, she's not tech savvy. So in order for me to record this, I'd have to be in her face. And at this very moment, it's not feasible. So, it's not something I can do. So, 
transforming pain into purpose. You hear and see a lot of, of, of about that in um, the Bible. I don't know if anybody else is watching it like I am, but I've been watching The Chosen. And I'm on season three. And Mary is one that has stuck out to me so far. So has Matthew. Like, Matthew has really stuck out to me. But Mary is one that stuck out to me. Knowing her pain... Knowing her pain uh, and that Jesus still chose her. Like, she was still chosen. And then she still went back to it. And he still chose her, you know? Uh, it... I saw that like last week and I was like, oh man, this are, we always tend to go into our next topic of the week and it always is fitting for exactly where we're at. It's always fitting. So Revelations 12, 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. God, God turns pain into purpose through our stories that we can share and we can tell others. And the stories that we tell they help others. Now, I initially, when I was going through last year and any other situation where I've actually gone through something, whether it be my trauma or whatever it is, I never looked at it as a somewhat like a blueprint for the next person or somewhat like a roadmap to or through. I never looked at it as something that was beneficial to anyone because I couldn't see the transformation in it. I couldn't see the beauty in the the story because I was so focused on the pain. Not where I ended up at, not where... Or how far I've come from that situation or looking at the choice I decided to make when there are millions of other choices that could have been made. I'm looking at the pain. I'm literally drowning myself in the pain and I'm keeping myself stuck. In this place where my only focus is the trial that I'm going through, not the testimony that'll come from the trial, not the lives I might save, not the person I might help next door or down the street, around the corner or online, none of that. Because we live in a world broken by sin. Life is and can be painful. Almost everyone we know is living with some kind of pain or has. The types of pain vary. It might be physical. It might be relational. 
It might be mental. It might be emotional, financial, social, or spiritual. And if you're watching The Chosen, you get to see all this. The man who had had a limp his whole life and just wants that to go away, he's living with physical pain. You have Matthew who decided he wanted a better life. He made a choice, but essentially he was torn because he felt like he was helping his mom and dad and they felt like he, you know, betrayed them. And he's going back and forth. It's kind of like an emotional, mental, and spiritual battle. And then there's some finance in there. They're not worried about the finer things in life. And he's thinking, let's not be broke. <laughs> so people have different types of pain. There's, it varies. But it all hurts. Pain is inevitable. None of us are able to opt out of it. We're not. We don't like it. I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to talking about pain or dealing with pain, I have cried several times, many times, and asked God, why? Like, have you not seen everything that I've gone through already? Have you not seen it? I'm a, as we said before, we're very transparent, so we keep it very honest and open in the show. And I'm going to share this with you guys. I got to a point where... My prayer when I was praying, I was angry at God. I was angry because, again, I felt like I was going through something else. Here I am going through something else. Like, okay, how many more trials you want to put me through? Why do I receive this pain and I can look at the next person and they've not gone through a quarter of what I've gone through? Why do I deserve molestation and abuse and rape and all of these things? Why do I get that? And my friend, Elijah, had a conversation with me one day. And he says, you know, I truly understand where you're coming from. Because I've been through a lot of what you have been through. He was like, but in order for you to see what God has next, the beauty in what you come through... In order for you to see what he has next, you know, you, it may not be fair that you receive that. It's not, you know, you may feel like it's not fair. You don't understand it. But because there's free will, these things happen. People make the choice to do evil instead of good. And that's not your fault. But you can't live in it. You can't stay in it. At a certain point, he called me a scribe. Now, if you're watching The Chosen, I'm going to keep saying Chosen, y'all. I'm going to keep talking about it. But if you're watching The Chosen, and the reason why I keep talking about it, you guys, is because when I was told to watch it, um, I didn't start watching it at the point when I was suggested the, suggested the show. I was watching a couple other movies in regards to God, and that was not the one I wanted to watch. So when I did finally go back and start watching it, and I took to Matthew so hard. Like I really took to Matthew. Then after I started talking to Elijah about Matthew, he was like, he's like, he's like you and me. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he's a scribe. I didn't know what a scribe was, but essentially it was broke down that I hold on to memories. And when you think of memories, you typically want to remember the good things, but I tend to remember all of the bad Now, it's not to say I don't remember any good, 
But oftentimes, if I'm speaking, it sounds like the majority of what I remember is more of the bad than the good. So Matthew was a scribe. He remembers everything. His mind is a wonder. He remembers everything. So if you're watching it, you see how Jesus took him with him to take notes, to take down things, because that is what he was great at. And people who are scribes also know how to tell stories. So in the midst of all this, and I pray I don't get to, you know, you know, if I cry, I cry. But watching the show and in prayer every night with God, I realize more and more what my assignments are. Because I have more than one. But I, I realize what my assignments are. And I realize that there are things that I hold on to that in more ways than one, he is really wanting me to let go of. But for me, it's hard. And we'll continue going on and I'll tell you guys why. What is our hope in pain? Like what what is what is our hope in pain? Is it is the promise of God that he can bring good out of anything, even pain, if, if we trust him. So if we think about Romans 8, 28, it's one of the most beloved verses in the Bible, but it's also one of the most misquoted. It does not say all things that happen to us are good. That's obviously something that's very untrue. Rape, cancer, molestation, like I said, war, disease, racism, starvation, they're not good. It also does not say all things will have a happy ending. That's just not reality. And we all know that, or we should. But like me, when I got give you guys the example that I get angry when I'm going through something again or I'm in something again, and I'm like, God, why have you chosen me to have this much strife? That's an indication that I expect happy endings because I feel like I've gone through so much that that's what I deserve. I don't deserve any more pain. I just deserve a rose garden with a stone trail and happy feet and doves flying. That's that's what I feel like when I am in a, in a mode where my emotions take over and I can't see the eye of the storm. Not every injustice is corrected. Not every disease is healed. Not every pain is removed. The Apostle Paul said, and we know, we don't have to guess or wonder or doubt. We can be certain that in all things, this includes our hurts, mistakes, sins, genetics, experiences, and even what others do to us. 
God works for the good. Not everything is good, but God is always working for our good in everything. Anyone can bring good out of good, but God can bring good out of evil. Did y'all hear me when I said that? And I'm trying not to get emotional. God works for the good. Not everything is good. But God is always working for our good in everything. Anyone can bring good out of good. But God can bring good out of evil. He turns crucifixions into resurrections. Y'all, did y'all hear me? He turns crucifixions into resurrections. When I read that over again and came to the conclusion, the summary of what I just read, you guys, my eyes are full of tears because I couldn't see it that way initially. Like, Holly, go back and read that. I couldn't see it that way. Because the question we ask is, I've heard it so many times from people who say things like, like, how is there a God when he allows children to be kidnapped or molested or raped or when this whole country is being killed off during this time? Like, how is there a God when this is happening? We only see the pain. We only see the war. We only see the hurt. We don't see anything else. Like, what's the message that's being conveyed right now? You killing off. What is the message? In the Palestine, what is the message? We don't see that because... We're thinking about the death, the pain. Those are all important. But there's a message in it. There's a story in it. There's power in it. God works for the good. Not everything is good. But God is always working for our good in everything. Anyone can bring good out of good, but God can bring good out of evil. If I'm living in rebellion against God's plan for me, or if I reject God's love, everything will work toward my destruction and death. Proverbs 16, 18, and 25. Who have been called according to his purpose? The key to our hope is understanding God's purpose for our lives, including our pain. Only then will we find meaning, benefit, and even joy in our suffering. Think about that. 
How in the world do we find joy in our suffering? Now, I'm just talking to you guys on this podcast. But if you be if you're honest with yourself, ask yourself if I thought about a time where I was suffering. Was my immediate thought joy? Was my immediate thought the greatness or the good that could come out of what I'm going through right now? If you're honest with yourself, we often don't think about the positive when we're submerged in the negative. We don't. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't. Now, I'm going to say I don't initially. When I'm initially going through something, my first mindset is not about the great thing that's going to come from this. Now, if I linger and I let it sit for a couple hours, maybe even a day, the next day I come back and I may revisit what I just went through the day before. My emotions, my actions, my responses, and I'll say, Holly, let's look at it this way. But initially, you won't hear me say anything about joy in my situation. In my suffering. I won't know what the benefit is. I won't even be able to see one. I won't be able to see a meaning. In some situations. Like my trauma from youth. Being molested at such a young age. And for a lengthy amount of time. I didn't realize. What the meaning of it was. Until I was in my 30s. That was a long time, y'all. That's a long time. Because I didn't... All I could see was the pain. All I could feel in that moment was betrayal and hurt. No protection. No love. um, Abandonment. That's all I could feel. All of those negative things came. I couldn't feel, I couldn't, nothing else. It it got to a point where literally this year, about three months ago, had a conversation with my friend who broke it down in a different way. One that I probably would have never come to myself. It's one reason why you, you need to have praying friends around you. You need to have faithful, F U L L friends with you. Always. He came to me and he said, You may not feel like you had parents, but God, there's always a plan for everything. And although they may have left, in the Bible it says, the parentless or the mother and fatherless, God steps in and intercedes and becomes your father. He says, and you're not thinking about the fact that even though they were gone, God took their place. He was your father. So I couldn't see the benefit, the positivity, the meaning, the joy in any of that because I was so focused on what I was missing, what I didn't have, what I went through, the hurt that still lingers, the 
reactions that I have, the triggers, you know, all these technical psychology words, I'm hanging on to them. They are my lifeline. And I'm missing the fact that God has been here the whole time. And a lot of the things that I put on me as I made this choice, I decided not to do this, was not on me. Because he saw me before I saw myself. He knew what I wasn't going to do. He knew what I was going to do. And he knew who I was. So everything that I did in the physical, he had already placed there prior to spiritually. But I, if I had to answer you, if I had to speak on any situation, the first thing you would hear me say or speak on is all the pain. You would hear me linger on the pain. You wouldn't hear me speak in the form of uh, resolutions or solutions or positivities or God. You wouldn't hear me speak on that because I'd be stuck in that one place. Scripture points to five purposes God has for his children while we're here on earth. And I kind of want to pinpoint them because when I was reading and I was thinking about myself and this topic again, this is the second time I've actually recorded on it. I essentially in my very first recording on my my personal podcast, I recorded and I didn't focus on this in a spiritual way or in a way where I reference Bible verses and I focused on it. And and let me take it back. I did in a way, just not extensively like I am not so much trying to do here, but I am. I focused on telling my story because again, my other podcast is in regards to my life experiences and experiences that I've been around other people who've gone through and people who familiarize with those different situations. So I'm going to share these with you guys because I've had it for a while. So we are here to learn to know and love Christ. God made us so he could love us. And he wants you to love him back. Expressing our love to God is called worship. So we're here to worship. Now, I that especially when I go to church, that's one of my that is the biggest thing that I love when I go to church is worship. I love to worship God. At home, in the car, wherever I'm at, honey, I will go into worship. The second, we're here to love Christ's family. God formed you for his family. Repeatedly, the Bible tells us that it is impossible to love God and not love his family. We are called to belong, not just believe. And they call this fellowship. So in this journey of transferring pain into purpose, I'm going to share this with you guys more. Again, we're transparent here. So 
basically my life is your life. <laughs> you guys get to dig in with me to going through the journey and understanding how this all fits in, how it all coincides. So through the trauma that uh, pain and stuff that I was going through last year that caused me to kind of divert back to revert back to the trauma in my youth when I what I was going through one of the biggest things that I needed at that particular moment was family like I needed family and it was something that at that particular point I really learned yearn for like when I say I yearn for it like I at that point was like I gotta find a church home now I'm in Georgia when I initially moved here about eight years ago I did start going to a church with my sister when she was here and it is important to choose if you're if you are a part of a church or you do want to go to a church to choose one that actually benefits you that actually speaks to you and the church that I went to did not do that and I'm I grew up in church so the church I grew up in was not my choice I was a child so I was going to the church my mother and grandmother went to my dad so that was that but when I became a teen and I could drive honey when I tell you I found my church I found my church you never ever caught me nowhere else I was in that church every event I was there for Bible study uh, I was there for church on Sunday I was there for events I was there I was there to practice with the choir I was there okay so Find your church. It has to suit you. It, 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 In more ways than one, it has to call to you. And when I was going through this last year, I said, I got to find me a church. I went through the process of not so much, just like if you're trying to find you a doctor, it was kind of the same thing. I would go to a church. I would fill it out. Some things were for me. Some things weren't. I grew up in a Pentecostal church and um, Baptist partly. So there's a lot of things that I wanted in my church that the churches that I went to just did not go through. But the one thing I know I needed was a community. I knew I needed that. So one day I'm scrolling on Instagram and I roll past something and I wasn't following the page, you guys. So I scroll past something and it is a video of these different groups of people they're in what they call squads these different groups they 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 had an event or some type of contest or something and I was like so I was so drawn into it so I look at the video and then I decided to go to the page I clicked to go to the page and I was like okay boom so we're on the page and I'm going through all the pictures and all the still shots they they catch during this the sermon during church session and I'm listening to the sermon and then I click on the hyperlink there and I go to the page and I'm like oh wow okay look so at that particular point I didn't even sign up for the church I didn't do any of that what I did was 
I went on there, saw after watching that video, they had something called squads. So I was like, okay, let me see what this is. I go to the link, takes me to the website. I go through and I read about squads. I read about the squads and I was like, you know what? I'm going to join. So I go through and I'm scrolling and I didn't see anybody who lived anywhere close to me. But you know what? I didn't care. I didn't care. I chose one, and this is what I did, you guys. I went through the different links, and I was really drawn to, to join a group that was women. So I was looking through the women, and I would look at the city that they lived in. And I would go to Google and type it in from where I live to where they live to see how far of a drive it would be for me. And every time I'm doing that, I'm probably doing it at the wrong time because the map is going to tell me how much traffic is, is on the road right now. So everybody was about an hour away from me. I chose the person who was the least amount of time away from me. <laughs> so the least amount of time was about 40 minutes. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with 40 minutes. I signed in, signed up for it. And when I did, I didn't get an immediate response. So I, I keep going and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to church. So I ended up uh, getting dressed one day and I told my son, get dressed. So we get dressed and we go to this church called 2819 Church in Atlanta. We go to the church and it's packed. Pack a pack. I get there. I'm thinking because I've been to so many churches and they have so much parking. It's just right in front of the building. We just walk right in. Boom. We're going to just go. I get there. The parking lot is kind of like an old school or something. So the very front of it is like a, a circle driveway that's packed. The place across the street is packed. The other parking lot is packed right in front. So we have to pull over and go to the back of the school and park on the side, which means we have to walk up a hill and down the sidewalk a while. And it was raining and I had on slides. Woo, what a day. So we park, we walk up the hill and I'm going at a slow pace because my little slides is falling off, you guys. So I get in the church. It is packed. We are seated in the area in the back, but we're there. So... I pulled my phone out because the church is is this is a mixed crowd, but you see a lot of younger kids, younger people in the church. So you don't see a lot of Bibles. <laughs> if you're going to an old Baptist church, you're gonna see a lot of Bibles. In this church, you didn't see a lot of Bibles. You saw a lot of phones. Okay, so I pull up my phone and I hit the record button because I want to record this message and I want to get it. I don't know what it's about, but I want to get it. Now, the pastor wasn't there. It was a, another pastor that was there that was preaching. The, the actual pastor's church was not there. But the guy that was preaching, honey, he preached. Okay, so we're sitting and I'm listening. I heard a little bit of worship. And then after the worship, he starts to preach. And when he started preaching, it seemed like everything he was saying was hitting home. It was like for me. It was for me. And the crazy part was the fact that I had met my co-host for the show through work. She's been there probably two years less than me, but we've been there the whole time. Not until I moved to the team that she's on did we connect and actually not until she became um she moved up to up to the same position that I am in did we actually connect so I took I'm, I'm looking at everything in my life 
and listening to what he's saying in regards to the people that you need to surround you. I want y'all to listen to me when I say, listen, this is my testimony. This is where my pain and the purpose, it, it, it manifests or it moves into a totally different realm where I can move, where I'm moving away from focusing on the pain and I'm moving into the purpose. Okay. So prior to any of meeting anyone, I'm focused on my pain. And my pain keeps me in a depression. It makes me lose focus. It lose faith. It makes me do a lot of things. I don't believe a lot of things. So I meet Naomi, who is my co-host. And our first call to each other was supposed to be training, you guys. But it wasn't. It was a full-blown conversation about our life paths, our trauma, and God. So he's talking and I'm like, okay, okay, boom. I need to have this kind of friend. I need to have this kind of friend. Okay, listen, (laughs) this is what I need, right? And I'm listening to him and I'm like, man, God really works in when you're not paying attention or when you're focused on the wrong thing, you can't see what he's doing. So I met Naomi But I also have Elijah, who's been a friend for a while. Now, Elijah has changed his life around a lot. And our conversations are only about God. But then I have Naomi, who has some of the same struggles as me. But she has some different strengths. And she's chosen different pathways through her trauma. And she is on this journey with me, with God. And there's an insight that she gives that I don't have. And the pastor said, you need to have faithful friends. And you need to have fighters. Now, he don't mean the shooting of bang-bang fighters or the ones who are ready to throw hands. He meant that you need to have people who will go to God for you. Go to God for you. Fellowship, right? That's that community, that family that I was looking for, right? So... I got excited, y'all. When I left church, let me tell you, I remember that whole thing. I recorded it. I broke it down in 15-minute sessions. I sent it to all my sisters. I went to my mother-in-law's house. I played the whole sermon. And she was like, oh, my God, thank you, Jesus. I love this. I love this. Like, I literally was in love. That was my church after that. And before I even left, I they had a meeting for the youth to... <clears throat> come together for some programs that are starting for the fall. So we went downstairs, stayed for the meeting, left, and then I went to go share with everybody else. Then, probably about a month or so, two months later, I was going through my email and saw um, an email saying squads will begin this fall and, you know, in September or something like that. And then I received a text message from the person that I signed up for in a squad. So I was excited, like, yes, I'm gonna go. It was actually a pretty decent day, but the issue became that my car broke down so I couldn't get there. So couldn't really get there. So I missed the first couple sessions. So she was like, 
okay, so where do you live? And so then I was like, well, I didn't see anyone close to me. So I chose you because you were the closest out of everybody that I did see. So she knew of other people who were around the area. So she put me in touch with somebody else who was maybe about 20 minutes away, but her class was on Saturday and I work every Saturday. So then that particular person was like, you know what? There is someone else who is probably a little closer to you and her classes are on during the week, which might be more suitable for you. So she put me in touch with that person. She reached out to me and her classes are on Tuesday. So a couple weeks ago, I attended my first fellowship with squad members or group members from church and I loved it. And if you guys are listening, one of you guys, two of you guys, whoever's listening, hey, um, you guys know I was out the last time because of um, illness and other things, but I loved it, you guys. So the second thing, again, God calls us for is fellowship, um, which helps us with our pain into our purpose. The third is we're here to learn to grow in Christ. Uh We're created to become like Christ. God wants us to grow in spiritual maturity and model Jesus himself. And that's called discipleship. And I think, especially if you were in this journey, you know, you you are called to be more like Jesus. And with the world that we live in, Oftentimes, we know that part, but we're so, we tie ourselves so much to social norms that we mix the two where we make excuses for the things that we do, even though we know it's not so much Christ-like. But number three is discipleship. Four. We are here to learn to serve Christ. God did not create us to serve ourselves. But he created us to serve him. And while we're here on earth, we serve him by serving others in his name. Jesus said, Only those who throw away their lives for my sake will ever know what it means to really live. Y'all, let me not cry. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake will ever know what it means to really live. Mark 8.35 So, I'm going to say, I said it in the beginning of the podcast where my friend Elijah was telling me that I have a story to tell and I'm so caught up in the pain that what God wants me to do is to help others and I'm not doing that because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lit candle but I'm hiding under the bed is what he told me he said what good is a lit candle under the bed this Part is called ministry, you guys. Number four is called ministry. You're painting the purpose, telling your story. 
which is why this podcast was created, you guys, just so you know. I said before that Naomi and I have very similar stories, and she will tell her own portion, but she was in a place where she was holding it in for herself. Like, I know what happened. I know what it is. That's just that. But the realization, just like for me, was that God didn't want us to keep it to ourselves. And a lot of the reason for not keeping it to yourself is because of exactly what I've done. Holding it in and keeping it to myself keeps me drowning in the same repetitive pain. Because, yes, it's my story. And no, it can't be anyone else's. Not my story. But they may have a story that's similar. But does he really want me to hold on to it? No. It was a lesson. It was a trial. And in my youth, it's not something that I could actually pass. I was innocent. But he don't want me to live through it day in and day out. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake will ever know what it means to really live. I didn't really see the purpose in sharing my life until I began my other podcast, you guys. When I say I did not understand what it meant. Number five. We are here to learn to share Christ. Once we've accepted the good news, God accepts us to pass it on to others. You see how that goes hand in hand? Your ministry, your ministry is you serving Christ. And you may serve Christ by feeding the homeless, my podcast telling our stories and and helping others on their journey on the way to Christ or with Christ and sharing him that's called evangelism God establishes and develops these purposes in our lives through the word of God renewing our minds and you can, John 17, 17 is a good verse for you on that. Through the spirit of God transforming our character. That is 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18. And through the often painful circumstances of life causing us to make choices, which you'll find in James 1, 2 through 4. who have been called according to his purpose. The key to our hope is understanding God's purpose for our lives, including our pain. Only then will we find meaning, benefit, and even joy in our suffering.
when I think about worship, again, I'm going to reflect on how I spend time with God, uh, my conversations with him. Anytime something painful happens in our life, we have a choice. We can run to God or we can run from God. I have run from God in many circumstances, and I won't say run from him. I I say that mainly because my first choice is not to pray. My first choice is to cry, to wallow in the pain, to go to sleep after I cry. It's not to talk to God or to ask for clarity you know, and, and at a certain point in time, my response to certain things was revenge. And that is me running from God. I learned through my other podcasts and a lot of the feedback that I received that from many people's experiences especially in crisis about half of the people run toward God with their pain and half run away from God does that make sense I I don't know I, I I'm not here to judge I don't I don't know I just know what I have done I guess you could question why would You run from the only one who fully understands all the emotions you're feeling. And why would you avoid the only one able to heal and restore you? But again, I said, most people don't often think about that initially when they're in crisis. You know, our our most passionate prayers are when we are in the most pain. (laughs) <laughs> and I've learned that, like, when I tell... Ooh, y'all, try not to cry. When I tell you... I, I learned that. I had to I had to put that in there. But my most passionate prayers have been when I've been in pain. When I'm really going through. They have been my most passionate prayers. No one prays perfunctory prayers when they're in pain. Superficial prayers are replaced by genuine cries of the heart. So, in my time of pain... I I typically am suffocating and I'm paralyzed in the pain. And over the course of the past year and a half, what saved my sanity was spending hours 
and even days alone with God in worship. Pouring out all my jumbled emotions. I literally use my pain to draw closer to God. And I guess what I learned was that we draw closer to God by telling him exactly how we feel. Not by telling him what we think he wants us to feel. God wants the real, not the ideal from you. He knows you. He knows who you are. He knows what you're feeling. Even if you're not telling him, he sees. In pain, you cry out. You argue with God. Man, I'm telling you, when I tell you I be mad, that's why I say when you're in pain, those prayers are your most passionate because that's when he gets the real you. And he wants that all the time. You complain to God. You express all the negative emotions you're feeling. You don't suppress them. You confess them. And I know that's true for me. I don't know if it's true for everyone, but I know it's true for me. Complaining to God when you're in pain is a biblical act of worship. It's called laminating. And I didn't know that until probably a couple months ago. I don't judge people. So when I'm talking to someone and when they express and they talk about God and they're, they're passionate about it, sometimes it may not sound like something that you normally hear from someone who who might, you know, is Christian. You know, people judge so much, but they're passionate about God, no matter how they express it, no matter if you agree or disagree. One third of the 150 Psalms in the book of Psalms are Psalms of Lament. I learned to limit by praying those 50 psalms. You know, worship is not always celebration, praise, and thanksgiving. Expressing every aspect of grief, whether it be shock or struggle or surrender, can really, really bring you closer to God, too. All of our emotions are God-given. You have emotions because you're made in God's image. And God is an emotional God. In the Bible, God feels and expresses anger, grief, jealousy, frustration, and other negative emotions that we often try to suppress. Paul uses his suffering to draw closer to God. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. That was in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-9. Later on, Paul wrote, 
to the Corinthians about the effect of their sorrow as a result of the letter he had sent them. I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain turns you to God. Baby, listen, 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Let me tell you something. I posted something probably a month ago. And I said it in my first girls squad meeting. And it said, because a woman was in the group was talking about divorce or pain um, from divorce. And it was something that I read that I saw and I thought, oh my gosh, that was powerful. And it said, if a broken heart leads you to God, thank God for the broken heart. And I said, ooh, ah, (laughs) yeah. Let me tell you something. The reason why that hit me so hard is because when I was going through last year, my heart was broken. And I was in a place where I was trying to figure things out, solve things, uh, get answers on my own, all kind of things. And the more I kept doing that, the more I just kept seeing in my dreams, just so many different things where God was like, yeah, nope, that's not it. (laughs) Just me. It's just me. The answer is me. And so when I saw that meme, I was like, oh, baby, this is it right here. So that chapter and verse 2nd Corinthians 7 9 Paul said I'm glad I sent it not because it hurts you but because the pain turns you to God but listen the pain turns you to God fellowship We typically think we will attract others by impressing them with our successes, victories, and accomplishments. Now, I don't personally think that. I, I think I, I don't have a care in the world in regards to how I attract other people because I've never really looked at it deeply. I used to think it was odd that people were drawn to me um, that... Would more in more ways than one be able to see me or to see the beauty in me without ever having a conversation with me? But I never truly questioned it because I just felt like it was meant to be. But talking about those things can create jealousy, competition, and distance between people. That's in regards to successes, victories, and and accomplishment. People being attracted to you because of those things. But talking about, in contrast, sharing our weaknesses, failures, and grief creates a common bond. Now, I I won't go into detail because that's a whole different subject that I wouldn't record on this podcast, but... We have to be careful of those bonds too. But pain is the great equalizer because it is indiscriminate. 
Kane pays no attention to status, wealth, religion, education, age, or gender. Loss is a universal common. So if you want to draw others closer to you in fellowship, dare to be vulnerable. That's the thing that I struggled with was being vulnerable. And I don't know if I was if I was scared of being vulnerable because of not wanting to be judged or talked about. Being vulnerable requires a certain level of honesty that sometimes I feel like people don't have it in them. And I don't really think that people are afraid of it. I just think that they just never learned how to run towards the light. They've always been shown how to hide from it or to run from it. Being vulnerable requires being honest with God and yourself first. I used to hear somebody say a little saying, and I used to be like, you always got all these sayings. But, um, you lie to yourself first. At all costs, you lie to yourself first. And then you lie to the next person you tell the same story to. Because you've made yourself believe whatever you put in your mind. So, being vulnerable requires you to relinquish the control that you feel like you have with the story that you've attached yourself to and it allows you to open up allow others to see you in your pain and bear your burden and when it comes to dealing with pain that vulnerability is powerful it's empowering it's not a weakness, it's empowering. And we should want to embrace that. But because of how we look at things, we typically don't. When you tend to have a little pain in your lives, or you, you haven't really gone through anything, sometimes people tend to be unsympathetic even judgmental towards those who life has a struggle or there is pain choosing to allow it to acknowledge or listen to someone who is in pain or going through something will increase your sensitivity to others' pain, deepen your empathy for their suffering, enable you to connect with people otherwise have little, otherwise that you have little in common with. And that's ministry, sharing your story.
sharing your story. Bringing others in to God. I feel like it's important being empathetic towards others' pain, but when it comes to transforming your pain into purpose, that ministry of sharing your story is one thing I found that is important for your healing. Not theirs, but yours. And the reason why I have to say that is I was uh, introduced to a, a book, A uh, Hundred Ways of Believing Bigger. When I was introduced to that by Naomi, um, I was still going through something at that time. And I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't, in my mind, wasn't, you know, trying to or thinking about handling it Christ-like. And then after I received that suggestion from her, and I purchased it off Amazon, I my mother-in-law purchased me a book by a woman who, I didn't know who she was. I had no clue who she was, but the book itself, um, I thought it was just a regular read until I started to read it. And when I say it was a woman who was a believer, and she took you through the pain and challenges that she went through and how drawing closer to God and understanding what he needed her to do in that time frame was what the book was about and how to address this, turning her pain into purpose. So much of a purpose that she is one out of 10, the first 10 bestsellers for her series of books. And she's telling you guys her story, her travel, her journey with God, going to Jerusalem and and hearing God speak to her and understanding what he needed her to do. Ministry. She shared her story. I'm sure it wasn't easy at first, not even dealing with it, because even in this story, she felt like she had handled everything. How many times have you felt like in a situation that you've handled it where you've forgiven or you're over it or anything that you feel like concludes the situation and then somehow an act of someone else's comes about and it triggers that story that you thought was over I've done it. That's why we're here. <laughs> I've done it. That's why we're here. We're not exempt from suffering. And the scripture tells you that in 1 Peter 4.12 and in John 16.13. Peter said, those who are suffering according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Submitting God's will does not protect us from suffering. Sometimes doing the right thing creates pain. We may not like it. I definitely have not. I definitely have not. 
we have to remember that even in our pain that God works for our good. Like I said before, not everything is good. But God is always working for our good in everything. Anyone can bring good out of good. But God can bring good out of evil. If y'all don't take anything else away from this podcast but that. Anyone can bring good out of good. But God can bring good out of evil. I want you to take that with you. I want you to take Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. And just think of that in the sense that when you're in a dark space, a dark place. Remember, at a certain point, there was light. God did that. God did that. Only God can bring good out of evil. Some people believe that because they mix society with their world where they don't understand the difference and hiding reality is a perfect life for them in front of others. Again, that is likely because you don't want to be vulnerable. So they hide their problems, they mask their pain, they cover up their sins. Most of us should already know that we're not and we don't have it all together. Transforming your pain into purpose takes work. It, he never said it was going to be easy. And I think we have to understand that. The other part, I think that is very important that I wanted to connect on because of the fact that I didn't understand it in that way initially. I came more to terms with it later on when I had a conversation in regards to my conversation with God. And like I told you guys, God wants you all the way. He wants you to be real. He wants you to be honest. He wants you to be raw. Because whether you tell him or not via your mouth, in prayer, he sees it in your movement and your actions. He sees it. So why would you go to him halfway when he's giving you all of him? That is all I have for you guys today. I thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that we will get to see you all this week coming up on Thursday for our episode six, which is Rebirth, Believing for Restoration. 
Uh, again, if you guys have any questions, any comments on Apple Podcasts, you can leave reviews. I do not know if you can do that on Spotify, but we would love it if you would leave us some reviews, some feedback. If you have questions, suggestions for topics, if you want to be a guest on the show, You can find us on Facebook at Let God Do It Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram with Let God Do It Podcast. And you can email us at any point in time at withinreasonpodcast at gmail.com. And we will make sure to get back to you guys as quickly as we can. Um, Because we haven't gotten a ton of correspondence there... It might take us a minute, but if you do follow us on either of the other platforms, you can let us know that you sent us a message. You can also message us on Facebook and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. If you're on Facebook, interact with us on the page. We have a lot of people who post and we will be getting to a point where we're sharing stories to help with our ministry. Our evangelism. And again, we hope to hear from you if you have anything um, for us. Again, suggestions, comments, any praise. If you want to share a story, whatever it is, we would love to hear from you. And we're going to, I'm going to end it with, as we usually do, a prayer. Heavenly Father, as I bring this podcast to a close... I want to thank you for the opportunity to share my thoughts, ideas, and stories. I'm grateful for the listeners who have joined me on this journey, us on this journey. Lord, I ask for your guidance and inspiration as we conclude, as I conclude this episode. And I keep saying we, you guys, but it is we because it is a a show. for multiple people so may the words spoken resonate with those who have tuned in and may they find value wisdom and inspiration in what they've heard i offer a prayer of gratitude for the chance to connect and communicate through this medium we ask for your continued blessing on our future episodes and endeavors in your name i end this show with gratitude and hope amen